all. The Lord and judge of all. I know we have to uh, legal people amongst us, lawyers amongst us, at least two that I'm aware of. And we all know this, that in the higher courts, the judges, they are addressed as Lord, isn't it? Mm -hmm. My Lord, your Lordship. And this is simply because of the authority that they have. And you know that judges, even earthly judges, they are so powerful. They are powerful. They can determine your destiny, where you end. Am I correct in that? Yeah. They can find a legal loophole to pardon you. I hope you know that. And they can also find a legal issue on which to convict you. I respect them. They have such authority. And so, because of that authority that they have, they are addressed as Lord. When they enter into that seat, You just need to be asking for mercy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And this morning, we want to look at the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and judge of all. I know this is a sobering message. But I also quickly understand that it can be a very comforting message. And that is why, in, in fact, Peter told us that we are commanded to declare this truth that is the judge. That's why we are going to start from this morning, trusting God to reveal something to us quickly. I know that in the future, I'm not talking about now, in the future we may have to look at the nature of eternal judgment. Because it's one of those things we need to know so that we may live our lives here in the fear of God. I've seen several people live their lives and I've seen people do things in this world to other people that you will know that there's no fear of God in them. Because they think the life starts here, life ends here, that's all. We see people even in power do things, say things, treat others in a way that you know that there is something missing in their lives. It is called the fear of God. And the lack of awareness of eternal judgment. And every believer must know this truth. And it's part of the message we have to soberly 
present to people. The life doesn't end here. Let's look at what Peter said in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10. I'm trusting God this morning that he will give me key to be brief over this. But let's see how it goes. You remember Peter coming into the house of Cornelius, that religious man who had learned to fast, to pray, to give alms, doing all the good things. And God had mercy on him. And God wanted to show him the right way. Because all of those things, as good as they are, it was still missing something. I'm sure you know there are many people who do so many wonderful Good things around us. Am I lying in that? They do. But there's still something that they need to have in their lives. And that is the way of salvation, to know the way of salvation that is beyond doesn't exclude beyond just doing some nice things. Do you understand the point I'm making? But there are also others who are just, like the Bible says, the heart of men is terribly wicked. And who can know it? But in all of this, there is a judge. As we go into Acts chapter 10, I'll read from verse 34. Look at the message. This was a message coming to a man, to a good man, as we will call him. But look at what the message says. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Note that first word. God shows no partiality. He's not a partial God. Amen. Amen. Partiality is known with men, but not with God. God has a standard that is same for everyone. So in every nation, it doesn't matter where the individual is, whoever fears him, whoever has learned to fear him and produces works of righteousness out of that fear of God will be accepted by him. Let's go on now to verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. You can see how this man is building his message, his gospel of the kingdom. And what he's talking about there is peace between God and man a relationship. The first thing God wants in every life, in everyone, is not even what you do. It's about your relationship 
with him. God wants to bring everyone close to himself. And as we go on, I'm going to mention something if I have the time for it today about how relationship is going to be key in divine judgment. And all of us must be aware of that. And it's not just going to be relationship between man and God. It's going to also be between in relationship between man and man. I've come to that shortly if I'm able to before the end of this meeting. So relationship with God is important here. Peace. For we all, like sheep, have gone astray from God due to our sin. Our sins have separated us from him, according to the scriptures. So in order to bridge that gap, Christ came to draw everyone, regardless of where you are, like we have said before. That's building that aspect of the gospel of the kingdom that deals with the love of God that is reconciling men to himself, isn't it? Essentially about our salvation. It has to do with relationship with God. It's not just service for God, but relationship with God. God loves every man he has created. But what he desires most from all of us is to have a relationship with him. Because that's the reason he has created us, for relationship. Not just for service. Service comes in, but relationship is important. Let's go further. Preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Can you see? He's beginning to proclaim the Lordship. He's the owner of every land. He's the master of every everyone, whether they've recognized it or not. He's the one who has the sovereignty. over every soul, every nation in our world. That word, you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with with John preached. How God anointed this same Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. Again, we have told us this before. When Jesus came, he came to demonstrate the heart of God, the compassionate heart of God that will not want to see anyone oppressed, anyone afflicted. So he used his authority to bring liberation, Healing, deliverance to people. Demonstrating the goodness of God. Which we have challenged ourselves again and again. That is our responsibility to show the same heart. If we are asking that people will know God, we must show his heart of love and compassion to them. And that's what we see Jesus here demonstrating with the authority that he had. Are you following me? Even in his earthly ministry. This was before he went to the cross to die. He did something to touch humanity, to touch lives of people. And today God still wants to touch lives of people. Christ still wants to touch the lives of people by living inside of those of us who have come to know him and reach out to people. Touching them at the very point of their needs. We cannot rule that out from our preaching of the gospel. We have said that before. Let's go further. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. 
him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Can you see the issue of his death, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection? Because that is what has paved way for us, for every man to have a relationship with God. It settled the matter of sin forever and permanently. And we have said last week that in that, actually, his lordship is demonstrated. In his resurrection, his lordship is demonstrated. Hallelujah. And all of this to draw men back to God from wherever they might have been. Let's go further. Him, okay. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So his resurrection was not a secret thing. There were witnesses to testify to that. Further we go. And verse 42, that's where I'm really going. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. With all that Jesus Christ has done, one of the ways in which his lordship, his authority is exercised is that God has committed the judgment of both the living and the dead into his hand. He's the judge. He's lord and judge of all. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Again, you can quickly see after talking about his judgment, him being the judge, the way to escape judgment has also been provided. Hallelujah. Although he will judge sin, but the way out of that has been provided. For he does not desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Are you following me? The heart of God in everything is still salvation of people. But soberly is also the judge. Because after all that God has done, and he could do no more to help anyone than what he has already done. Do you get this point? God's mercy is so great now that after now, he could do no more. Anyone who cannot respond to the mercies of God, anyone who cannot reach out to obtain the free salvation that God has offered to draw them into a relationship with himself, to forgive their sins, and to make them right with him, and then empower them, equip them to become the kind of people he really wants them to be, God can do no more. And I'm praying that all of us who have responded to his law will appreciate what he has already done for us, making a way of escape for us. Mm. But thereafter, God has committed judgment to him. Mm. Paul also speaking somewhere in Acts 17, so that we tie this together. In Acts 17, Paul speaking, preaching in that memorable sermon that he delivered to the men of Athens, where he was walking around from verse 22. In Acts 17, he said he saw 
you know, a place where an altar where it was written, maybe a shrine where it was written to an unknown God. Again, don't forget what I said before. God is not someone who is unknown. God wants to be known. God wants to be known. Are you following me? God wants men to know him. God doesn't want any one of us to serve an unknown God, a God that we don't know. And that's why relationship with him is key in our worship of him, in our service of him. We must know the God that we serve. We must know his heart. We must know who he is. He wants to show himself. And that's why Christianity, the one that God has asked us to present to the world, is not a religion of just church going, doing this and that. It's a life of relationship that begins with peace with him relationship with him. Everyone, every every member, every person can have a personal relationship with God. That's the message we must carry with all of our hearts. I don't want anyone to sit under our administration and all they know is what we are telling them. Everyone must know God. Everyone must open their heart to have a personal relationship with God. How bad will it be that some children are in the house, are you following me? And they only want to relate through some other persons in the house with their own parents. Would that not look strange? That's why every one of us must yearn to know God, to draw close to him. He has given us his spirit for this. And we have his word open to us. I kept on talking about relationship with God, key for everyone. Because I'm going to touch on that as we'll be concluding. So Paul saw a place where strangely, they said they were serving an unknown God. I challenge anyone today who is listening to me that if you think God It's not personal to you. You don't know him. I challenge you today to listen to this message and to embrace what I'm telling you about what Christ has done. To remove any barrier of sin between you and God. And to ask that his Holy Spirit will walk in you to open your heart. We know him in our heart. We know him in our spirit, man. Hallelujah. And you will start enjoying a personal relationship with him. You may not be, you may not be perfect in one day. Obviously, you cannot be perfect in one day. But you will develop a growing, intimate relationship with, with God that will help you to mature, become better and better. Are you you getting me? In every aspect of your life. Amen. Let's go further. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. Our gospel should bring people into an encounter with a God that they they did not know or they have not known. Any message that doesn't achieve that has, has failed to declare the gospel the way it has to be presented. Hallelujah. We go further. God who made the world 
and everything in it, since he's Lord of heaven and earth. Can you see what we we're saying yesterday? You are he's Lord because he's owner, he's the creator. By right of creation, God is Lord. Christ is Lord. Are you following me? But let's go further. No, okay. He does not dwell in temples made with hands. So it's not about a place. It's about a relationship. No, is he worshipped with, with man's hand as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things? Brothers and sisters, some people think when you ask them to have a relationship with God, it's because people are looking for something. No, God is not looking for anything from anyone. Whatever we give back to God, are you getting me? Even our lives, he, he, he gave them to us. We are only giving him that which belongs to him originally. This is the heart of the gospel. We go further. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Hallelujah. None of us is an accident in the world. He determined it before we ever came here. He knew where you will be. He knew where you will be born. He knew whether you will be born white or black. He knew it. And that's why in God there can be no partiality. Are you getting me? Amen. Racism is not in God. Because it doesn't discriminate on those grounds at all. Is one God for all and one mediator between man and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Full stop. Let's go further. So that they will seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though it's not far from each one of us. God is near to each and every one of us. God is so close. God is so near. Are you, are you getting this point? I really didn't want to belabor this message of salvation this point, but God seems to be leading me that way. And I have no option but to stress this way of salvation so that everyone will seek for him, will long for him. And you know it, even for those of, who have, those of us who have come to know him, I know myself personally, that inside of my heart, there was a yearning for something to know something more about life when I was much younger than just the physical things that I can see. There was something in me. Are you following me? Everyone has a spirit in them that actually yearns for something to fill a vacuum to connect with something bigger than themselves. Even those who describe spirituality in the world, that's the way they describe it. The yearning in the soul to connect with a higher power than them. Are you following me? But I, we present to you that higher power that people are seeking for that unknown God that these people were looking for. Something in them was looking for a God, but they just couldn't, they just didn't know how to connect with him. The connection point is Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen. who has paid the price for this to be achieved, that all may come to God and know him. Don't fill that vacuum with other things. Other people have occupied with other things. But we present this message humbly and simply to everyone. Come to Christ and have a relationship with a God that can be known 
that a man can relate to. A man can relate to it. I go for For in him, we live and move and have our being. So also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Because we all emanate from him. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art, a man's devising. God is bigger than that. Those materials were created by him. He's bigger than created things. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. This is talking, this is addressing idolatry. God is bigger than stones. No matter how beautifully you carve it, no matter how much you design it, God is bigger than that. God is greater than that. God cannot be reduced to the level of the created things. We go further. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. Can you say this? It doesn't matter where we have been before now, what we have done before now, how we have perceived before God before now. But currently, what does God demand from every man? Repentance. Amen. Are you following this point? This point. Repentance. It is not about what you have done before. It's not about where you have been before. It's about what you do now. And the reason for that is this. Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Hallelujah. Because there is going to be judgment at the end of the day. That is the point that has to be made this morning very clearly. Are you following me? All that I've said so far is to prepare us to this truth that God has made Christ both Lord and judge of all. He will sit in judgment to judge, but his judgment is not going to be partial. It's going to be in righteousness. It's going to be with equity, fairness to everyone. Salvation is core, but judgment at the end of the day is certain. Hallelujah. Did you get this point? And that is not going to exclude anyone. Whether you believe or you don't believe, whether you are rich or you are poor, whether you are the ruler or the ruled, whether they are the oppressor or the oppressed, everyone will have a fear hearing before God. Fear one in his judgment. Do you know where the good news is? Let's first of all go. I mean, one of the good news is what I've told you. The good news is that everyone will be fairly, it will be fair. God's judgment is fair. It's going to be according to his standard of righteousness, not man's. And there's no partiality in that. Any, everyone can be confident. Those who have felt their right had been taken away from them on the earth by other men, don't worry. The day is coming when no one will be cheated of their rights. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You have felt defrauded by others. Don't worry. Are you getting it? Because you have seen many people who have felt, no, this person has done so bad to me. And they really, really wish something will happen. Wait on God. Wait for him. Amen. It will 
is a right judge. Is a is a righteous judge. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm ninety-eight now. I'm going to run a little bit. Oh, let's start from Psalm nine. Psalm nine. Psalm nine. As I begin to find a place where we can draw a close today, uh, in Psalm nine. Psalm number nine. Um, Turn with me to verse. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Did I say some nine? Yes. Uh, I'm going to read verse eight. He will judge the world in righteousness and he will administer judgment for the people in upri- for the people's in uprightness mm. can you see that it will do it but what is going to be the standard righteousness uprightness is going to be fair to everyone does that make sense turn to chapter 98 i will have lot to read chapter 98 from the beginning, but I've already covered everything said in the beginning of Psalm 98. But you can read Psalm 98 on your own. You know, O sing from verse 1, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy hand have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. So God has not hidden his standard of righteousness from anyone. It's clear. Are you following me? And then on and on, he had remembered his mercy and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So the salvation of God is revealed to all men. Are you following Everyone is welcome in this to the mercy of our God. Then he went on. But in order to save time, we can read that on and on. But let's go to verse 9. Okay. To to put it into context, from verse 7. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world. And the peoples with equity. Amen. So, the point has been made. The judgment of God is going to be right. It's going to be according to his righteousness. Same standard for everyone. Number two is going to be fair. You remember when David fell into that sin of adultery? Psalm 51, from verses 1 to 4, as he was repenting and asking for God's mercy for his own life, he said something which I'll quickly pick before we leave Psalms alone. In Psalm 51, David had this to say. And he said, after he had pleaded for God's mercy, okay, I'll read, it's it's not long. Uh, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Do you, do you get that? So there is room, even when someone has fallen short of God's standard, there is room for mercy. Mercy is shown so that those who fail to obtain God's mercy 
They can't blame him at the end of the day. Do you understand that? So it will be justified because his hand of mercy is always extended to everyone. But do you know what? The sobering thing is this. Hebrews 9 verse 27. For it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. The trouble is here that after a man has closed, or a woman has closed his or her eyes in death, there's no more opportunity for that mercy. Mercy lasts here. The mercy that James chapter 2 verse 13 says, triumph over judgment, prevails over judgment. The mercy that we hold, withholds the judgment of God from people. You know, judges do that sometimes. They say, I'm going to show you leniency, they call it, isn't it? And they're going to watch you over time to see how things will go with you. <laughs> Are you following? Mercy. But do you know that if that mercy is despised, even with ethnic judges, then you can only blame yourself. Because what they will say is that you had your opportunity. You had your chance. You blew it. Are you following me? Divine judgment, even though that's a, that's a shadow, divine judgment can be viewed from that context. There is mercy. Let's people draw from it. Because after that, that's going to be a problem. Do we get this point? Oh, my time is gone, but I'm going, I'm moving forward. As Okay. If I can't touch on this today, let's just prove this further. John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus talking so that we know how God is going to do the judgment. So the Lord, Jesus Christ, is the judge of all. That's where we started from. But look at what Jesus himself announced when he came. Verse 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of God. He has given him authority to execute judgment. Sorry, he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel of this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can have my own self do nothing as I hear I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Can you see that? judgment, just like Paul said, just like Peter said, has been committed to Christ. Christ himself testified to that. They were not the imaginations of Peter or Paul. God has given me authority to judge. And the judgment is going to be in two broad forms. There's going to be judgment of reward and there's going to be judgment of condemnation. Full stop. Two broad, broadly speaking. And the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. It is clear. And this proclamation did not just start with us. Did not just start even when Christ came. Do you know that Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, had announced this even before Christ came? Let's go to Jude. I'm going to round up here. Don't worry when I talk about Relationship, how it's going to be key in judgment. Maybe we'll pick that next, if God will permit us to do so. But today we are just looking at the judge of all. No one will be exempted. Dictators will face divine judgment. The wicked will face divine judgment. Just as the righteous. 
but it will differ. <laughs> the outcome will be different. So for those who are feeling, who have felt cheated all of their life, defrauded, oppressed, afflicted by some other people, take solace in this. There's a divine judgment. For those who have lived their lives sacrificially in righteousness and they're wondering whether it's worth it or not, also know that there's a day of judgment. It's an encouragement for those who have committed their heart to live the way God will want them to live, do the things God will want them to do, touch lives, be a blessing to many. And for those who choose to do otherwise, there's a judgment. I close. What did I say? Jude. Okay. I, I, I read Jude and I'll just read another scripture as we close here. Now it says, Jude says, Jude is only one chapter and I'm reading verse 14. Now Enoch, the servant from Adam, prophesied about this man, also saying, you know, he was talking about those who are those deceivers who call themselves even preachers and teachers. And I'm sure some of, some of the times you've seen certain things people do in the name of the Lord in preaching. And you wonder, where is this coming from? There is a judgment. Let's go on. It says, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch announced it several, several, several years back. These are grumblers, complainers, working according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. I'm sure you know there are people like that. Sweet words, sweet thoughts but there is a judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, this, this should bring us to the fear of God. Whatever you do, you will account for it. The day of reckoning is coming. And lastly, turn to Revelation, the last chapter. And I will encourage all of us to study Revelation 19, Revelation 20, Revelation 21, and Revelation 22. Just as I ask us to study Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 3. Study these last chapters of the Bible and you will soon discover how everything will conclude. It's a great consolation, though sober. It's a sober message, but it's a great consolation for those who have lived all their lives to please God and to be a blessing for him towards others. I read. He says, and this is really sobering. Look at verse 11 as we close. I'll read down. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. Who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. I said, ah, God, why will you say so? Those who want to remain unjust after all that God has done, they are free. Wow. It's like saying, I've done all. But look at the conclusion. And behold, I am coming quickly. And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandment that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and are dog, idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Mm -hmm. But you know that it didn't end there. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Mm -hmm. Let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Whoever desires, whoever has a heart for God, whoever is yearning in their heart for this truth, 
let them come. God's heart is open to everyone. The Lord's heart is open to everyone because he wants to save everyone from the judgment to come. Amen. But judgment is certain, brothers and sisters. Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his words. Bow down your heads as we talk to God. Brothers and sisters, we shall take it from here another time. Brother Paul told us in a verse we have already read before, even as we are praying, look at what he said, because this is what God really wants to achieve with this kind of message. Paul said, therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Will you commit your heart to God? If you have known this truth, why not commit and say, Lord, I want to live in all pleasing to you. I'm not here to, to please myself or to please anyone else. I just want to please you. And if you can please God, your ways will be pleasing to, to men. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the law, we persuade men, but we are well known to God. And I also trust are well known in your consciences. It's the sober truth. But it should bring us into the fear of God. Knowing that whether we do certain things secretly or openly, the day will come when everything will be made open and judgment will be delivered without partiality. Why not pray for yourself, for a growing relationship with God if you have known him? If you have not known him, why not receive his mercy and come to him and say, Lord, forgive my sins. Forgive everything that I've done, secretly or openly. I open my heart to you. I want to know you. I want to live for you. I want to please you. We are not here to please ourselves. We are to please God. And in pleasing him, you will discover that our life will be a blessing even to other people around us. Selfishness is one of the things that is disturbing, that is disrupting us here. Too, too much self-centeredness. But when our hearts are open to God, we will find a place for others to touch their lives positively. I'm not saying everyone will respond to our gospel, but we will have touched people in a way that they will have no excuse about the God we are talking about. Dedicate your life again to God. God is calling us to this dedication. Be aware of what you do in our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. Amen.